0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we're in the house of the Lord. Thank you for our great salvation, what Jesus did on the cross to shed his blood, to bring us to an understanding of life and life in abundance. Thank you for the men that traveled to Lawrence, to Boston impact father god the seed that was sown and bring back a harvest that glorifies your name give us a joy inexpressible give us perseverance to overcome affliction adversity persecution lord give us grace lord to seek your face lord and to be transformed to the image of your son Allow your word to be a good seed planted in a good heart, Lord, that would bring forth good fruit, O oh God. We rebuke everything that comes, every weapon formed against us, O oh Lord. We cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus. We surround this place with your angels, O oh God. We pray that we would have an effective ministry that would fill the earth with your glory, Lord. Give us a heart after you, Lord. Allow it to become a reality, O oh God. Bless your word and that it would not return void, O oh God. Transform us by the renewing of our mind. Allow our inner man to be strengthened. And we acknowledge that this treasure is in earthen vessels, O oh God. We pray, Father God, that it be a greater glory as our f- latter days are better than our former days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We are pursuing what the Lord spoke to us. Um, I, all I look and say is this, and this is super important. Um, Wellington Boone, Bishop Wellington Boone is, is such a blessing to this house. It's such an honor to have him come and to speak um, what he has in his heart. And, and I said it when he was speaking on Wednesday. It's a travesty that, that he has to always start at, at kindergarten level, at the ABCs and the 123s because God has so much more for us in, in his provision of heaven. Um, he says we're stuck on the tangible expression of earthly sight and vision Uh, we need to lift up our eyes to a spiritual existence and that's what we have done and and doing that we we saw that the lord is calling us to be his bride some people don't even have an understanding that the church is the bride of the lamb and and so in that context um, i had a man come up yesterday at the conference and he says do you believe in the spirit of jezebel I said, yes, I believe in the spirit of pornography. I believe in the spirit of alcoholism. I believe in the spirit of Jezebel. And it's just just as bad as any spirit from the evil kingdom of darkness. And he goes, well, I think my wife is the consummate expression of this spirit. I said, no. um, See, if you come to the light, all the spirits of darknesses are gone. This light prevails over darkness. And so I wouldn't be too concerned about the spirit of Jezebel. It's not stronger than any other spirit. It will not abide in the climate of the kingdom of God. When there's light, darkness has to leave. And, 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 and I, you know, his issue is not the spirit of Jezebel, but the lack of manhood in his life. And so he, his question was answered, and he received it. Um, during our trip, we spoke to over 50 men Uh, Over and back last night we gave a copy of what is a man to Derek Jones who's a member of the Miami Heat He was picking up his luggage with us at the airport So I come around I said, you know, I I wrote a book called what is a man I want to give it to you so you could be a champion as a husband and a father He says, thank you very much And I think we have so much more to offer if we make the tangible reality of the good news of the gospel uh, accessible to all men And so in our understanding that we're the bride of Christ, we're going to pursue that this year like no other topic. Last year was understanding the faithfulness of God. And we were able to understand that it's all about God's faithfulness. And this year we're saying, okay, God, if you're coming for your church, the bride, if you're coming for the bride, the bride makes herself ready. And the essence of the readiness of the bride is a character of purity. The Bible says no one will see the Lord without purity. So what is this concept? Because in our present day, we don't know what purity is. And when I was a young child and they talked about being pure, imagine telling an adolescent who's all over the place that God wants you to be pure. And so I said, okay, how do I put that garment on? What is purity? And since I had grown up in a Catholic background, I thought purity was like the nuns. I have to go around dressed like a nun. Or I would dress like a priest and have some outer garments that look very pure, and some, um, uh, maybe a headgear, a hat, you know, like a bishop. And the exterior dressings would consider me, and that's what I thought. Uh, Purity is the way you dress. And so my concept of purity is, okay, um, I need to find some pure clothes. And if I wear something pure, that gives me an appearance of purity. Well, thank God that 35 years later, God has given me a more clear understanding of the concept of purity. What is purity? What is God after in our hearts? When Paul speaks to the church of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2. He says, I have a sentiment towards you. Describes that sentiment as jealous. I am jealous for you with a God-expressed jealousy. So one of the concepts that I gave the men... In one of the sessions in Boston was, there's a time where you protect those things that you want to keep pure. And in the context of expressing that, I talked about, I have about 15 nieces. I'm the uncle of 15 precious little girls from the age of 12, maybe even younger, all the way up to 24. And they're not married. And nobody's going to mess with my nieces if I could help it. Because I want to keep them pure and not contaminated. So, men have come and wanted to to mess with my nieces. And I said, Brother, you're in the wrong place. You go, one man came, he says, I like Corey. I said, You like Corey, huh? A lot of guys like Corey. She's beautiful. You're You're not special because you like her. A lot of people like Corey. So he goes, yeah, but, but I want her to be mine. I said, no, no, listen to me. You're about to go to North Carolina to play basketball or to Alabama or God knows where. You go play basketball up there. And you mess up. You mess with all those girls that you want to and that allow you to. You're not messing with Corey. If after you come back from North Carolina and you still like Corey, we'll talk again. Has anybody ever seen that guy again? No. <laughs> He didn't like Corey. He wanted Corey because he's never been back. And so purity is a concept that Paul is saying, I have sentiments towards you like God has sentiments towards you. Look at all the guys laughing that like my nieces. They're like, oh, brother. Here it goes. Let's go up there again. 2 Corinthians eleven two. My sentiment, and, and I want you to grasp this. My sentiments towards you is just like God's sentiment towards you. I have given you an engagement. That's the word betrothed. You are engaged. That's the, that's the season where you say, I like her, she likes me, before we get married. How many know that Jesus likes the church? Amen. And how many know the church likes Jesus? Amen. And they're not married yet, but they're getting prepared in this betrothal. This is the best period of time. It's the time of courtship, getting to know each other. And when you get to know somebody you like, if they like somebody else, that's a bummer. You don't want the person you like to like someone else. So today we live in an internet world where guys are talking to women all over the world. They get on there, they go to Christian.com, they go to Mingle. Pagan-like partner. They're doing all this stuff trying to connect. And they'll have three, four, and five conversations going on with women across America and around the world. And so all these men are having issues of purity. Because Paul says you have one. And you're connected to one. And that one needs to be presented as a pure. That's the word chaste. Chaste. A pure virgin to Christ. So as I've been a Christian now for a long time, I understand that purity has very little to do with your exterior and everything to do with your interior. Purity is an attitude of the heart. And Jesus said these words in Matthew 5.8, it's only the pure in heart that will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. God is not concerned about you pretending to be a Christian, you grabbing a Bible in your hand, you going to church. God wants to go straight to the sentiments of your heart to see where your heart beats for. And so purity has nothing to do with exterior appearance. It has to do with inward attitude. And the only way I know how to describe it is singleness of heart. Pastor, explain that a little bit. Okay, there's something that's called chocolate. How many chocolate lovers do we have? All the women say amen. So chocolate lovers know what pure chocolate is. So purity is that there is just chocolate. And if you have other, like some of the cheap chocolate That exists out there. You could buy it real cheap. It's not chocolate. You taste that stuff. It has everything but chocolate. So it's not pure chocolate. It's mixture. So how many like gold? Now all the men say amen. amen. Right? The women says chocolate. The men say gold. Now if I were to give you something that's not pure gold... If it's 10 karat gold, what? why is the value diminished? Because it has aluminum, it has alloys, it has other material that is not gold. So pure gold is the most expensive gold and it, there's no mixture. So being pure in heart before the Lord means that you're about one thing. And why it's not expressed in modern secular time is because there's so many things. And there's very few people that have singleness of heart, singleness of vision, of purpose, of priority. The pure in heart will see God. So when we come all messed up, not in our exterior dress, but in our inward devotion we, we want to spend time here. We want to spend time there. We want and, and God, I'll be right over there, but I'm busy. I don't have time to serve you. I have other priorities. Those are the issues that affect the relationship with bride and Christ. because he's done everything to be at the center of her heart, being her single devotion, and he says, "Do not love the world." Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You're adulterous. That means that you have shared devotion. Your heart goes in pursuit of your lovers, and your lovers are other priorities. So, purity of heart and being betrothed to Christ as a pure, chaste virgin means that you are really pursuing this stuff. Here's uh, the lack of purity in our day. It's talk, it talks about um, in 1998, 30% of all the websites on the internet were pornographic. One third, one out of every three places you could go to the internet had pornography. Why does the devil saturate the last days with pornography? Because pornography is impurity. It divides your devotion to another pursuit. And there's so many that are caught in pornography. They're caught in, in a fantasy world of affection and devotion outside of their relationship with the Lord. 1,000 poor si- porn sites. Listen to this. If 30% of the internet was a porn site in 1998, that's 20 years ago. Since that time, 1,000 porn websites are added every day. 1,000 people decide to start a pornographic website every day since 1998. That is the problem of our generation. The devil knows that if Christ is coming for a pure bride, all he has to do is make man impure. And then you're not the bride of Christ. So if the devil is trying to entangle us, and his entanglement is such that 75% of Christian men have viewed pornography in the last three months... 75%, 7 out of every 10 men have gone through some pornographic experience in the last three months. 35% of these men are pastors. Not only Christian men, but pastors, they're leaders. So this is so dark that if you're a parent... And you don't think your children have come across pornography? You are super mistaken. In fact, the statistics say, as of lately, it's the girls that are getting more into pornography than it is the young men. They're going into the internet. They're watching videos. They're addicted. They, they're they're pursuing this darkness. And the Lord now calls us, the church. We're the only ones. Why? Let's go back to Matthew 5:8. Why? This is really good. I, I'm not going to own this. I'm going to give it to you. C.S. Lewis. They asked them, why is it that only the pure in heart will see God? Why did God put this qualification? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're the ones that are going to see God. They're the ones that are going to connect and marry the Lord. And then C.S. Lewis says, you want to know the theological answer to this question? Why only the pure? Because only the pure want to see God. That was way better than your response. Why only the pure? Because only the pure desire to see God. And so 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 says, He who has this hope to be in the relationship with Jesus Christ purifies himself. Just as Christ is pure. You want to be like the guy you want to be with. That was a good part. That was a good place to say amen. Amen. Everyone who has this looking forward to will purify himself as he is pure. I love this because that means that Jesus, he's so passionate about his desire to be with us. It never changes. He never changes his mind. He never looks somewhere else. He doesn't want to be with someone else. There's some men that tell a a young girl, they'll say, if you don't like me, I'll go like somebody else. Jesus is not that type of guy. Jesus says, I'll lay down my life for you because I've already decided that you're the one. You're the one and I've invested everything I have and everything I own is yours. And I'm pursuing you with passionate love. And so everyone who responds to this sentiment, and remember, we're talking to many first-time believers. They, they now understand that purity is not just the devotion of exterior dress and the way that you comport yourself and what you carry and rosaries. And you have the uniform, but God is looking farther than the exterior to the interior attitude of your heart and your passion and what you pursue deep within your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And if Jesus is your treasure, you're not not offered anything else. When Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and she says, come on, lie with me. You're attractive. He goes, I can't because I have another love. Well, who could be more attractive than me? He says, my God. So the Bible says he fled. He left there. He he wasn't going to engage in anything that would not purify his heart. In his relationship with the Lord, he goes, I can't, you're, you're attractive, I like you, but I can't let down the person I most love. And so this is an odd concept for those that do not know what Christ is calling us to. Uh, th- this purity concept, it could only be with people that have known and seen the Lord and have a heart for him. Otherwise, there's no reason to do this. Matthew 7.13 says, enter through this narrow gate. It's a, it's a focusing on more purity, more focus, more intentionality, more deliberateness. For wide and broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Many are on that highway to destruction. There's many that, that do not want a singularity of devotion. That's why when we were talking to this young man, and he kept protecting all the religions of the world. And I said, Jesus, he says, that's your thoughts. What about Buddha? What about Muhammad? And he kept on spreading it far and wide. He was saying that his devotion was everywhere but nowhere. Until I said, see, you don't even have a God. He goes, yes, I do. I said, what is his name? And he says, I'm God. I said, no, you're not. You're the devil. Because that's what the devil said. You have taken away single... of mind, and you are all over the place, and you're full of chaos and confusion, I just want to say that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He'll never receive anything. Today, Today, he tells a girl, I do, and next week, he's saying, I don't, and that's my concern of this generation. They don't have singleness of thought and purity of motives. And Jesus says there's a wide road and there's a narrow road. And to be in love and, and be the bride of Christ is a narrow road. Verse 14 says that this gate that to enter in is super small and difficult. This is not for everybody. And, and a lot of people say, well, they're leaving people out. Yeah, they're leaving those that refuse to be Pure. Those that are not pursuing this purity of existence, they're gold with alloys and aluminum and they, wanna, they want the hole. If God doesn't let me in with all this baggage, I'm not coming in. The, the eye of the needle concept in the Bible, they said that it was a camel full of things. And it says more difficult it is for a, a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than a camel to enter in through the hole of a needle, the eye of a needle. And the thing is, you had to strip that camel of everything so it would squeeze through these doors. And if you're gonna be the bride of Christ, you gotta let, uh, what what did Pastor David Freck say? He says, you gotta throw away the junk that's in the trunk. You gotta get rid of everything because your devotion is real and it's personal and it's prioritized. And so this is the call of God to man's life. Narrow is the gate, it's not for everyone. Difficult, say with me, difficult is the way. It's not easy. When I was a single man and Yvette made me marry her. No. If I was going to marry that woman, she would not allow me to have many girlfriends. And I would refuse to allow her to have BFFs. She was mine and only mine. She would be engaged to one man to be married. Imagine this. Who am I going to call my best friend now? Who is your best friend? Carlos. No, you're not calling Carlos. You're calling me. I'm your husband. I'm your love. There's purity in this relationship. But in the present generation, we have extended devotions in every direction. And it's not right that you have a singles night when you're married. That's a debauchery. You know what happens single night? You're putting yourself out there as a target for other people. And, and this generation accepts it. Friday night is ladies night, honey. I'm married to you. I'll take care of the kids. You go with your single friends to a nightclub. That, that's normal in this generation of a bunch of pagans. Men and women who don't know the purity of the marriage bed and relationship. There's not other friendships. There's not close friends. Narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way which leads to life. And only a few. Say with me, few. Few. It's not going to be a lot of people that do this. Only a few are able to enjoy this reality. That's why Christianity doesn't make sense to the world. It's only one husband wants to marry one wife. Why? 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God was not making a call to us for impurity. He's not a polygamist. He's not getting married to many. He's marrying one body of Christ. God did not call you to impurity, but to holiness. There's a big problem, and and, and, uh, George Carigal was saying it at our men's conference. He says, how could a God who's so pure put his eyes on me, who's so impure? Was my that was my problem too when Christ reached out and called me. I said, God, I think you got the wrong person. Why? Because I'm not interested in you alone. I have a lot of baggage of sin that lives with me, abides with me. And to come to you, I understood from day one it was all or nothing. All or nothing. I remember one girl came to my law office, and she says, I was going to get married to a young man, but I loved my dental career more than, well, not more than him, but just like him. And I would not let go of my career to marry him. I was pursuing two things. So he didn't marry me. So then she's 45 years old and still single. Because her devotion wasn't single to her husband. She had another pursuit in her heart, which was her career. And I understood from day one, if Christ was knocking on the door of my heart, he wanted me to forsake everything, including my friends. Amen. So it was a matter of time I came to my friends. I said, hey, guys, I'm not hanging out with you no more. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What do you mean? You're No, because Jesus is calling me to himself. And they didn't understand it. They thought I went crazy. They thought what, what, what type of man would start putting away things in his life that are so close. God did not call us to many things, but to one thing. Verse 8. Therefore, whoever rejects coming to God doesn't reject man. If you don't do this, you don't have problems with me. You're rejecting God. Whoever rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit do? It calls you. It calls you. It calls you to be pure and pure and pure and pure, where he's the only one. I don't know who you want to take on your honeymoon, but I only wanted to take Yvette. I didn't want a whole bunch of people showing up at, at the most incredible date in my career the day i was married i would only want the one i love to be there and if you're not longing for that guess what you're not going to be there because you're giving your time and your thrills to some other devotion and you're not rejecting men oh your posture is too serious listen to me i'm going to say this once i'll say it out loud There is something more serious than your pastor. And his name is Jesus. He's not playing games. He's not playing religion. He doesn't need a lot of. And this is Pastor Bishop Boone says, He doesn't need a lot of knuckleheads. He doesn't need people that don't understand. He's coming for a bride. We're talking about this year. The land of Beulah. Perfecting purity. Pastor. This is impossible for me. What does it mean to be pure? Well, God did not appoint you to impurity. He didn't call you to that, but to holiness. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself, not outwardly, but inwardly. Our calling in the direction of this marriage that Jesus wants with his bride You know it's legitimate when he starts talking to you about purity. When he starts saying, listen, let's go to your little book, a phone book here, your contact list, and let's delete all your BFFs. Oh, no. I could never. You're not going to marry me then. It's my way or the highway. If you have some sentiment greater in another direction, van voyage. You're not going to have a divided devotion. You're not going to be calling Steve and then Bob and then George and then Carlos. You're all over the place. That's not what I want for a bride. That's called a harlot. You guys know the word? Look it up. Brian Alvarez, what's a harlot? There you go. A prostitute, a woman of many lovers, many, many devotions, many pursuits. So here it is when God is wanting us to be pure and we're wanting to be pure. What is practical purity? Because there's theological purity. You, you think that if you pray a lot and you read the Bible a lot and, and you, you study a lot, you're pure. No, you're not. Let me ask you a question. What is your thought life like? How do you think outside? Because a lot of people on the outside are very prim and proper, but on the inside, they're full of junk. They're thinking twisted. I I tell people all the time I did not have one correct thought before coming to Jesus. Is that possible? That all my thoughts were displeasing to the Lord because they were all selfish, they were sinful. They were arrogant, they were proud, they were self-sufficient. So I say, I didn't have one thought that desired to please God. And then when I meet him, he wants me to be pure as he is pure. Well, there's a lot of work to do now. So here David says in Psalm 1914, he says, Lord, let those things that come out of my mouth called words, And let the meditation of my heart, the thoughts inside my heart, let them be pure in your sight. Let them be acceptable to you. Because that will make me strong. I want to say this morning that purity is the power of the believer. When you're pure, you're not going to be contaminated by impurity. When, when pornography pops up, you're not interested because your devotion is another direction. When they call you over to things that don't please God, there's no attraction. You've already given your heart to the one you love. So Lord, let my words be pure. How many curse a lot? Impurity of words. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I could not say an entire sentence by the age of 16 that didn't have several curse words in them. It would produce adjectives and it would describe what I was speaking. I was an adolescent full of curse words. And Jesus came into my heart. And I went to college and I'm in my first semester of college. And I'm playing ping pong because I, I, I flunked out the first semester. I was playing ping pong more than say. So I was playing ping pong. Pow, 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 and the man behind me missed a ball. Woo, and he says, Fah! and his curse word came out. And I turned around and looked at him like saying, you pig. And I said, wait a second. I used to be like that. His curse word pierced my heart. And I noticed that since Jesus came to live in my heart, I stopped saying bad words. Amen. That was supernatural. So purity in speech. He's not coming for a foul-mouthed sailor bride. Somebody who curses. Somebody who describes vulgarity. One day a lady called me and says, Pastor, God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I said, how you, how you doing? Hallelujah, back to you. And then she thought that I hung up. And she thought that her kids on the other side, her grandchildren, grabbed the phone. And so she thought for a second that the call had dropped. And I'm still waiting for her to talk to me. And she started talking to her grandchildren. She said so many explicitives. F, S, R, G, Y, W, X. She just went on speaking like I had never heard a truck driver speak like that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God, pastor. Because we're living this false narrative of an expression. If you still have vulgarity coming out of your heart, tell God to give you a pure heart. He's coming for a bride that does not curse. And so I was going to go become a police officer then. And I, 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 I joined the, the police force. I, I went to apply to Miami-Dade police. I said, how the heck could I become a cop without cursing at people? That's almost virtually impossible. Get up against the car, you. Mm-mm-mm. I said, how could you be a Christian and not curse? Let's pray for our cops. Amen. Put up your hands. Hallelujah. You're under arrest, glory to God. (laughs) But purity in your mouth. James 3, 9 says, we cannot bless God with our mouth and then curse men. We can't have bitter and sweet stuff coming out of our mouth. When God is pursuing a bride, he's saying that her tongue is sanctified. Hallelujah. We cannot bless God and our Father with it and then curse men. And, and have gossip. Do you engage in gossip? You're not the bride of Christ. She doesn't gossip. The law of kindness is in her tongue. She's a virtuous woman. She has no expressions of curse words, bad words, dirty jokes, conversations. All it leads to is more and more ungodliness. If you talk to people that all they want to do is talk bad and they're negative and they're twisted, hang up on them. Don't converse with a person that doesn't respect you with the words they speak. So this is not only purity of mouth, but purity of ears. Your ear is not a trash can. My friend used to say, hey, Joaquin, I got a new joke I want to tell you. I said, please don't. What do you mean don't? Yeah, they've thrown so much trash in this ear for the first 20 years of my life. I'm going to have to spend the next 80 years not hearing anything. I'm not a trash can. Don't tell me your dirty jokes. The purity of my heart, is purity of my mouth, is purity of my ears. I want to hear things that are pleasant. I used to hear a lot of rock music. I'm on a highway to hell. Hell's bells. All this junk coming in these ears. You know what I did? When Jesus came into my life, I threw it in the trash. No more. One day I'm listening to Chicago's greatest hits and I want to commit suicide. I can't live if living is without you. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself. Guess what? I grabbed, I noticed the suicidal thoughts came with hearing junk. I grabbed that incredible album and I threw it out my window into a canal. You go to the canal. I'm staying on the road. I'm not going to commit suicide. I'm not going to listen to junk. Worship music will purify your heart. (coughs) Twisted music will twist your heart. Purity of ears. Purity of eyes. I met Yvette and we would go to the movies and all of a sudden the the first scene at the movie would come and it was naked people. I said, honey, we got to go. What do you mean we got to go? Yeah, we got to go. We're not seeing this junk. Because if you sow seeds of impurity, you could expect a harvest of impurity. I'm not going to see junk on my eyes, in my ears, with my mouth. Then tangible things, things with your hands. The Bible says who will see God? I I believe it's uh, Psalm 24, verse 3. Who will ascend? Who will be at the highest mountain with God? Who may stand in his holy dwelling place? Who's going to come into his house? Verse 4, it says, he who has clean hands. So I, I used to smoke since I was 13. And so now God is saying that your hands are dirty. You can't continue to carry stuff that don't please me. So all the cigarettes went in the trash. All my pocket knives that I wanted to stab people with. Protect myself with violence. Everything that was unclean with my hands, I had to say, Lord, these hands I want to lift up to you to be pure, to be a blessing. We were in Massachusetts. We're about to go up in our room, 12 o'clock midnight, and this big 300-pound man called Savin. I said, what's your name? He goes, Savin. He was beat up. He was sick. He he could barely sit down, barely stand up. I said, I want to pray for you. And he goes, would you please? I need it. So a couple of men came around him. We laid hands on him. We began to pray that God would heal him. See, when you purify your hands, then God begins to use them in a mighty way. Amen. And you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You can't be smoking pot and cigarettes and drinking alcohol and then want these hands to be used by God. So we prayed for this man to be healed. And, and he grabbed my hand and he kissed it. And he says, thank you. I needed that. And that's who we are. We're the bride of Christ and we're holy and we're pure. He who has clean hands will come up to my uh, hill. He who has a pure heart. He who has not lifted his affection to other things to speak lies. When you're not pursuing purity, you're lying to God. He wants a pure bride. There's no pornography, there's no music. There's no malicious conversation. One man came over to my house and he says, Hey, look at this joke. And he just said the joke. I said, Come here, sir. It's a friend of years. I said, Come here. Come on. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. We opened the door and we walked outside. And he says, Hey, Joaquin. I go, What? What happened? He goes, You just kicked me out of your house? I said, Yeah. There's nothing unclean that comes into my house. I don't allow dirty jokes and double minded jokes and all that junk. You're not going to be in my house talking like a, a pig. This is where my family is. This is where God is. And so this is our instruction in these days. Our, our feet do not frequent places that don't have purity. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5. Our aim and our instruction is to love God and prove it through a pure heart, a good conscience, a, a real faith. That's why he had to tell the church, in Revelations 3:15, he says, Listen, you're all over the place. You say you love me, sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes I am your preference, and sometimes I'm not your preference. I know how you conduct yourself. You're ne- neither hot nor cold. You're you're sometimes hot, you're sometimes cold. I could wish you were you hated me or loved me. Prove it. But you're taking verse 16, the middle road. Because you're the middle, you're neither hot nor cold, you are disgusting to me. You're not attractive to me. You're not the type of person I want to pursue. And so the illustration there is a young man, he's with his father, and they're driving down a country road. The father pulls over to the side of the road to a watermelon patch. And he tells his son, keep a lookout while I'll go get a sweet watermelon. He sneaks into the watermelon patch, he picks a choice melon, and he comes back to the car and he tells his son, did you look both ways? Did you look to the right? Did you look to the left? And his son says, yeah, dad, but I think not only should I look both ways, I should have looked up because God was looking at you. It's not what people are seeing, it's not what I see. What does God know? What does God see? What is your devotion to him? Ezekiel 36, 25 says, I will cleanse you with water. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from everything that's impure, from all your devotions in other directions. Ezekiel 36, 25. This is what God is doing in the work he's doing in our hearts these days. Don't be down on yourself if you are messed up because I was severely messed up. But God's perfect promise is that he would cleanse us, not from some of the things, but from all the things, from everything that's an impure filthiness, from all our divided attention, from our many idols, many pursuits. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will remove a heart that's hardened and give you a heart of flesh. I will pour my spirit upon you and cause me to walk in your ways. And you will keep my order. And you will live in them. I love the conversation Mr. Vasco has had with his young, attentive young girl. He starts seeing a girl. They start getting to know each other. He wanted to marry in February. Last, last year, 2017. He says, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, give me my stuff. I said, hey, time out. Find out what's in her heart. Get to know her. And so 12 months later, he realizes there's divided to I like you, but I want to stay with my dad. I like you, but I have my church. I like you, but I'm not going to follow you. Hit the road, Jack. And let me know when I am the, God, the man of God that you want to love and to marry. And he says, I have my God. I have my church. I have my vision. And when you want to make me your man, you know where to find me. And that's what Jesus does. He's not going to compromise and he's not going to marry an adulteress who has other pursuits. Paul tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12, don't look down on anyone. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're living like this. But show yourself to be a model, to be followed. Let yourself be an example in this world that you're conducting yourself in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Why purity? Because Jesus is seeking out purity. That's a character attribute of attractiveness that Jesus says that needs to be in our life. I think we're done this morning. Let's stand and give thanks to God. Let's stand and give thanks to God. And this is not a matter of religious rhetoric. This is not religious rhetoric. This is pursuing, perfecting. In the land of Beulah, you perfect your purity. Every day, you get rid of divided devotion. Things that are calling you away from God, away from him as a priority, away as, uh, uh, from him as a pursuit. You want to be prepared as a bride whose garments are pleasing to the Lord without stain, without wrinkle, without shadow. You're looking to please him who called you. You're not doing this because the pastor wants you to do this. Nobody told me to throw away my music. Nobody told me to stay away from my friends it was God it was God it was the Holy Spirit and he's calling his bride to himself and he seeks you out with with this affection that he wants you for himself he wants you to represent it in this days listen a woman will say like this I want to marry you but I'll keep my last name you what no 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 you won't you silly rabbit That's the most precious thing Christ has given his church is his name. And in his name, we will do great exploits. And that's his order. But in a, in a generation where people will know, oh, I, want, I want my dad's last name. You, you could keep your dad. You and your dad get married. But if you're going to marry Christ, you're going to have his name, name above all names. And you're going to represent his interest. Father, thank you this day that you've made to speak to us such incredible goodness, Lord. And let the power of our Christianity be the p- p- purity and the pursuit of perfecting purity in our hearts. Give us that new heart. Give us that new spirit, Lord. Cause us to walk in your ways. Like David said, the psalmist created me a clean heart, a pure heart. Allow me to enjoy our relationship and that it be single and deliberate, and that it be permanent and pure. Remove the stench and the stain of pornography. Cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. Wash us, Lord, from all these other lovers that we have. And allow us to be yours and yours alone that we might enjoy the lavish expanse of your love and your portion. We pray, Father God, that this year, we would deal with that attitude of divided hearts double-mindedness, that we pursue you as our one and only. Everything the devil does to bring a divided heart and devotion towards other things, Lord, we rebuke and we reject and we renounce in Jesus' name. Clothe us in the inner man, renew us in the inner heart the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you and that your Holy Spirit would continue to sanctify us and to make us ready in Jesus name